Prepare your ears for some weird candy. Hey everybody, hope your Tuesday's treating you alright. Hope the butthole of the work week isn't kicking you too hard. My name's Chris and uh, we're going to take a walk on the weird side. Um, every week we're just going to talk about some of those, you know, strangest myths, legends, lore, just all around crazy shit that we can find. Um, I appreciate you joining us and be sure to give us some ratings. I uh, hope you enjoy today's tale. Murfreesboro, Illinois is a small town located roughly an hour and a half south of St. Louis, Missouri, and it has a population of less than 8,000 people. From what I can tell, the population has been pretty stagnant since the 1950s. So basically, you know, your, your typical small Midwestern town where the yearly corn festival is the most excitement the residents will see, you know, all year long. But in June of 1973, that would change at least for about a two-week period, when an unlucky few would have a life-altering encounters with what would come to be called the Murfreesboro Mud Monster. On June 25th, Randy Needham and Judy Johnson, you know, they'd been spending the evening together doing all the things that young lovers do. Uh, there's not much written about the details of their evening, but I, I imagine that it included, you know, sucking on chili dogs outside of a tasty freeze. <laughs> Ask your parents. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> The account picks up sometime before 11.55 p.m. Randy and Judy had parked beside a rarely used boat dock in Riverside Park. I'm, I'm sure they, they probably just needed a quiet, secluded spot in the middle of the night to work on homework. Yeah, yeah, homework, of course. Uh, not long after parking, the couple heard a loud scream come from the woods. Randy decided to get out of the car and check things out, which, you know, I mean, it sounds like an idiotic decision to me, but... A young guy would probably fight a dragon with a fucking popsicle if he thought it would increase his chances of getting lucky. So, uh, he gets out of the car when, when he spotted a large creature around seven feet tall. Randy told police that the creature seemed to be walking upright on two legs and was covered in light-colored hair that was coated with mud. The creature continued to scream and started walking towards Randy's car, which, <laughs> in my mind, uh, you know, it, it was a super sweet, like, 1971 Gremlin, lime green, <laughs> all the bells and whistles, you know, like, had an eight-track player. Hell, he probably had a fucking turntable in the back, so he could kick some, like, ABBA or Chicago or something, <laughs> some Bee Gees. <laughs> I don't know why, it just makes me laugh, so there you go. Uh, anyway, Randy ran back to his car where Judy was waiting, and the two made an easy decision to get the hell out of there. After leaving, uh, Randy and Judy decided to go to the police and report what they had seen, even though admitting that they had been together would cause them both quite a bit of trouble. Uh, it turns out that Judy's father had expressly forbidden his daughter from seeing Randy. Um, now, whether this little tidbit adds any like credence to the report or not, I mean, I'll leave that for you to decide. Uh, so anyway, the police report was made around 11.55 p.m. by the visibly shaken teens. After hearing their tale, Officer Jimmy Nash and Officer Merrill, I'm sure he never got any shit about that name in high school, Lindsay, uh, <laughs> were dispatched to the scene. Upon arriving, uh, they proceeded to investigate the area. After a thorough look around, Nash and Lindsay found several impressions in the mud that measured between 3 to 4 inches deep by 10 to 12 inches long and approximately 3 inches wide. Now, there, there are pictures of these prints online. You can go to the Murfreesboro Police Department website, uh, which is one of the sources I use for this episode, or to any number of other sites that have done a write-up on the, the incident, if you're interested in seeing those pictures. There's actually even, you know, this story has been included in a lot of books even. So there's many, many, many sources that you can use to find pictures of these prints. Um, moving on. 
uh, while the officers were looking around, they heard what they described as a, quote, shrill scream coming from the woods. The scream startled them so bad that while they were beating feet to get the hell out of there, or at least according to one source, Nash actually dropped his revolver. <laughs> that's, that's insane to me. Uh, around 2 a.m., officers Nash and Lindsay returned to the area, this time with uh, Deputy Bob Scott, hey, two first names, but you know, and uh, Randy Needham to investigate further. The four of them found more tracks in the mud that were similar, but deeper and yet shorter in length. So, uh, I don't know how similar, but I don't know. The, the pictures, you, again, you can look at the pictures and kind of, you know, put that together for yourself. Uh, Lindsay left the scene to grab a camera from the trunk of his car to get some photos. Uh, the report goes on to say that the new tracks were very sporadic in distance, some being mere inches apart, while others were five to six feet apart. And that's crazy. That's a hell of a distance for, you know, for a gate. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, while Lindsay was retrieving the camera, Deputy Scott, Nash, and good old Randy decided to follow the friends towards the river when they heard that same loud, shrill scream, and all four of them raced back and took shelter in the patrol car. After some time, the quartet regained their courage, and they went back to the edge of the river to continue their search, but ultimately they did come up empty-handed. Uh, again, the pictures are the only evidence they gathered that particular evening. <clears throat> The next report would come the next night on June 26th around 10 p.m. The MPD received a call from a Mrs. Harry Ray. And, by the way, that is what she is referred to in the reports. I mean, damn, the 70s are crazy. Jeez. Ah, anyway, Mrs. Harry Ray stated that her daughter and her daughter's boyfriend had witnessed a, quote, very large creature in the field behind their home. Uh, once again, Officer Nash and now an Officer Manwaring were dispatched to the area. The officers were met by Cheryl, Cheryl Ray and Randy Creeth. The couple reported the following that, you know, in my mind, it went something like this. Uh, you see, me and Cheryl, we're sitting there on that porch back there. We ain't just minding our business. Uh, when we seen this big old sun come, he come right up out them trees over yonder. I tell you what. <laughs> uh, I went all king of the hill. I, I, I'm kidding. Kidding. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> they reported that they had observed something moving around a small patch of trees along the backfield. Randy and Cheryl, and apparently Randy was a pretty popular name in 1970s Midwestern life. I don't know. Uh, uh, Randy and Cheryl watched as the creature walked out of the patch of trees, stopped, turned, and walked back out into the field. They're quoted as saying, you know, that the creature was between 7 to 8 feet tall, weighing roughly 300 to 350 pounds, dirty white or cream colored, and walking upright on two feet. Uh, the couple then decided to go down and investigate what they had seen, um, and Cheryl says, quote, we both went down, but Randy was walking a little bit ahead. Then he said, come here. And there it was. Like, <laughs> I don't know why, but that quote just kills me. Like, hey, come here. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, to me, that just seems silly. Uh, Cheryl described the beast as follows. It was real tall, hairy. I think it was white, but it was dirty, matted. It had a real bad odor. It was real rank. I never smelled anything like it. It seemed like an eternity we stood there, and then it just turned and walked off into the woods. We could hear it trampling through the woods. Um, Randy would later give his own description, and uh, his description goes as follows. Uh, quote, The thing I remember was the bulk of it, the shape, the human form, and the stench of the river slime it apparently had on it. It was about eight feet tall and is at least as stocky as a New York football player. We were within 15 feet of it, close enough to see the body, the texture of the fur. It was long and hairy, like an English sheepdog. <laughs> like, why a New York football player? Why, why not a Chicago, L.A., Miami, Dallas? Like any other football player. I guess, I don't know, maybe it's got a thing for New York Giants football players. <laughs> uh, both Cheryl and Randy claimed that the creature's eyes were glowing red, 
Which to me, that's creepy as shit. Do you imagine that? Eyes are glowing red. Creepy as shit, giant monster. Like, let's go check it out. There it is. <laughs> like, that, that just blows my mind. I don't know why. Um, the two officers inspected the wooded area and surrounding fields and discovered, quote, weeds broken and somewhat of a path where something had walked through. They called in Carbondale, uh, Carbondale canine handler Jerry Nellis, and uh, they notified him to bring his dog, which, to my extreme disappointment, was not named in the reports. But uh, let's pretend that his name was, fuck, I don't know, uh, Spike or uh, uh, Trigger. Trigger. Fuck yeah, Trigger. Trigger's a badass 70s canine's name. I mean, he probably had his own his own like TV show. That'd be awesome. Uh, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> his name was Reb. As in Rebel, I'm assuming, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Reb, <laughs> Reb was trained to attack, search buildings, and track suspects. Soon after arriving on the scene, the dog caught a scent and began tracking the creature down a hill where Cheryl and good old Randy had told the officers the creature had gone. As they were following the trail, they periodically came across a slime-like substance that, when, quote, rubbed between the fingers, left a black residue. Like, what kind of fucking Barney Fife fucking shit is that? That's ignorant. Hey, y'all, here's some random ass black slime. I wonder what it feels like. Oh, that's why I said it fucking taste it. Like, ah, why? I don't know. I mean, take a sample, but rub it between your fingers. Like, oh, uh, some blue, but I don't know. It's fucking weird to me. Uh, anyway, every time they came across the slime, Reb would hesitate and have to be urged on by Officer Nellis to continue tracking the creature. Man, I'm having trouble thinking of any kind of a normal situation that would scare a canine. My God, come on. These dogs are the friggin' best of the best. The meanest of the mean. Ah, definitely makes me wonder. Anyway, the scent led to a pond, around the pond, and back into another wooded area where Reb attempted to pull Nellis down a steep embankment until they came to an area that was too thick with brush to safely navigate. At this point, Nellis pulled Reb off the scent. Yeah, I bet Reb was pretty fucking happy about that. Uh, and took him back to the patrol car. Officer Nash, Nellis, uh, and Reb then proceeded to the area approximately a, a, a half a mile south of the pond to continue tracking the creature. The trio were able to locate the trail, and they continued to follow it until they came to an old barn. Uh, upon approaching the abandoned structure, the canine refused to enter inside. Officer Nellis repeatedly pushed Rev inside, only for him to immediately run out in fear. I mean, what the hell? That's fucking crazy. Oh, man. Uh, after the two officers and not that fucking pussy Rev <laughs> searched the barn and found nothing, uh, Nellis is quoted as saying, uh, Rev has always been a chicken shit, but this was probably the most embarrassing instance yet. Wow, that's pretty being pretty harsh on his dog. Jesus. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, he's actually quoted as saying, Reb is trained to search building and uh, buildings and has never backed down from anything. Eh, that, that's a much better quote. I don't know. Sounds better. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> on a side note, uh, a neighbor of the Rays, uh, Mr. Dave Barrel, reported that roughly about 10 minutes before the actual police reported sighting, uh, that his son had come into the house and said, quote, there's a huge ghost in the backyard. Mr. Barrel, you know, thinking it was the kid's imagination, he really didn't pay any attention to it until he heard about the Ray sighting. Man, I mean, I'm not really sure what to make of this report, you know. I mean, it starts out as a pretty typical Bigfoot sighting, but man, when I read about the canine, God, that got me going. I mean, that got me. Like, my imagination's all over the place with that. I just, man, whew. Anyway, uh, the next report seems like it might just kind of be an add-on. Uh, it occurred around 6 p.m. on July 7th. Officer Nash, yet again, and now an Officer Glodo, were patrolling Riverside Park when they were stopped by Burt Miller, owner of Miller Carnival. I mean, that seems fitting, I guess. I mean, I was kind of expected to be called, like, I don't know, uh, Mr. Smith's Happy Make You Smile and Laugh Carnival or something. <laughs> anyway, moving on. 
Uh, Mr. Miller reported that his workers had told him that they had seen a large creature the previous morning. Miller claims that he didn't report the sighting for fear that it might scare away potential customers, which in my opinion, I mean, it probably would have drawn a bigger crowd. Like, I mean, seriously, am, am I going to go down the road to the shitty Jones Carnival or am I going to go gonna go to Miller's We Have a Fucking Sasquatch Carnival? Give me a break. But, you know, who knows? Uh, uh, maybe public perception was different back then. I don't know. Um, the report goes on to say that on the 7th at approximately 2 a.m., four workers, uh, Mr. Otto Norris, Ray Adkerson, Wesley Lavender, and Charles Kimball, were closing things down when they heard the ponies making a lot of noise and trying to pull loose from the trees that they were tied to. The men walked around the work trucks to see what was spooking the animals when they observed a large creature, which they described as being 7 to 8 feet tall, light brown hair covering its entire body, standing erect on two legs and weighing between three and 400 pounds. They said that it seemed to be like more curious of the ponies than it was a threat. Man, if Otto Norris was related to Chuck Norris, he probably would have just fucking roundhouse the big bastard and put it on display for the carnival. You know, make it buku boxman rich for the rest of his life. That would have been awesome. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Charles claimed that he saw the creature again around 3 a.m. The officers were unable to find any trace that there had been anything besides the ponies in the area. Um, I mean, they didn't find jack squat. And, and unfortunately, that's that's all there is for this report. So, you know, like I said, it, it to me, this kind of feels, I don't know, um, underwhelming maybe. You know, was Mr. Miller just using the recent sightings to create more business? You know, was he better at drumming up publicity than I originally assumed? Or, you know, did his employees actually see something beyond rational explanation? The next sighting wouldn't happen for almost three years. At approximately 10 p.m. on June 19th, Mrs. Ray Kells, again, with the wife only having an identity because of her husband. God, this is insane to me. Come on, 70s, get your shit together. Uh, anyway, Mrs. Ray Kells called the MPD to report that her son Ricky and two of his friends, a David Taylor and a Russell Ward, had witnessed a large creature next to the woods behind Ricky's house. The three kids' parents told police that, you know, at first they were hesitant to call, but ultimately the kids' actions convinced them that the boys were actually telling the truth. The trio all had the same depiction of what had occurred. The, the boys reported that they had been playing wiffle ball out back when one of them hit the ball in between two of the neighboring homes. As they were searching for the ball, Ricky screamed and pointed towards the woods. All three described the creature as being seven to eight feet tall, with large ears or lumps on the side of its head. Uh, I mean, apparently this was an alien Bigfoot. Like, <laughs> they were watching some Take Me to Your Leader shit. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, large lumps or ears on the side of its head, uh, standing on two legs and covered in gray hair. Now, there's some, to me, there's some pretty interesting differences from the original sightings, but... Anyway, uh, so Super Cop Nash and, and Officer Schultz now inspected the area where the boys said the beast had gone. Upon entering the woods, the officers didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. I mean, no footprints, no odors, no broken branches, nothing. Um, after going around 100 yards into the tree line, which seems crazy to me, I mean, they literally found nothing, but still decided that, hey, we're going to go, you know, an American football field length into the woods. That seems weird to me, but anyway, I don't know. Uh, so they go into the woods they found quote several large rocks that had recently been overturned um i i guess apparently sasquatch likes to play jenga with big fucking rocks out in the woods you know maybe it gets lonely I'm bored i don't know i mean, i'm not a sasquatch are you a sasquatch if you're a sasquatch go ahead and uh, send us a message let me know uh maybe you like jenga maybe jenga is like a universal thing you know anyway uh, <laughs> the whole report seems a little odd to me i mean everything from you know the length of time from the original reports to the color of the hair and, and i guess the color of hair honestly if you like colored fur or hair 
covered in Mississippi mud, I, I guess, you know, it, it very easily could turn a grayish color, you know. Um, you know, to, to the large lumps or ears on the side of his head, that's very friggin' strange. I don't, I don't really get that, you know. Inter interdimensional alien Sasquatch. Yeah, I guess that's a thing nowadays. I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know, so that's the story of the Murfreesboro Mud Monster. Uh, a lot of the, quote, you know, facts throughout the, the police reports, to me anyway, they seem very, I don't know, um, I guess maybe forgettable is the right word. But, but you know, then there are a lot of points that really kind of, I don't know, they like make me wonder. They just grab my imagination. Uh, you know, you got this huge monstrous creature popping out of hiding and then vanishing before anyone can gather or any kind of proof, uh, solid evidence. I mean, that's really typical for a Bigfoot sighting. But then you have these loud screams that are scaring these cops, you know, that are supposed to run towards danger, not away from it. That's kind of compelling, I mean, to me anyway. You know, a, a carnival owner, you know, worrying that a strange creature sighting is, is going to hurt his business. I mean, that's that's laughable. Get out of here. Especially, I mean, if you think about it, freak shows were still fairly common in the 70s. So, I mean, that to me is just kind of like, huh, yeah, okay. You know, but then you, you got Rev, the canine. Like we talked about, I mean, canines are the most badass dogs on the planet. But Reb was so scared of what he was smelling that he, he refused his handler's commands. That's friggin' strange to me, man. I just, boy, man, I can't get my head around that one. That's crazy. O overall, it is for you to decide if a small Illinois town was being tortured by an elusive Bigfoot, or if maybe one story caught uh, others' attention, igniting a string of overactive imagination. The one thing that we always have to remember is that an open mind leads to endless possibilities. Join us next time for another piece of weird candy.